Okay. Um, I think I'm just gonna <laughs> I'm just gonna freestyle this. <laughs> it's gone so well for me. <laughs> Hi, and welcome to the She Said Show, brought to you by She Said So London. She Said So is a global independent network of women and gender minorities in the music industry, started by Andrea Magdalena in 2014 and has since become one of the largest independent communities in the music business. Our mission is to connect and empower underrepresented communities towards a more equitable music industry for all. I'm Emily Richardson and I'm a director of She Said So London. I'm also a music supervisor and composer agent. In this series, I'm going to be chatting to some amazing women to find out their insights and experiences of working in a male-dominated industry. Let's get on with it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm running out of time. Just let's just just get on with it. (laughs) Welcome to the first ever She Said show brought to you by She Said So London. This is a particularly special episode as we are airing on Soho Radio who have kindly invited us to be part of their International Women's Day schedule. So thank you Soho Radio for having us. Today I'm going to be chatting to Fiona Gillett who is the studio manager at Abbey Road Studios and a good friend of mine. She has been at Abbey Road for 20 years so she has got a wealth of knowledge and experience that she's going to be sharing with us in this episode. Due to the pandemic and social distancing restrictions, we were recording this over Zoom, so apologies in advance for any audio issues. Thanks a lot for listening and enjoy the show. Right. Oh, this is very sophisticated. I think this is how like the pros do it. So Well darling, we are, you know, leading the way forward. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. Welcome. Welcome. <laughs> I'm not sure we're the best to be doing this together, to be honest. Perhaps we should start about how we first met each other. Yes, that's how we should start, yeah. Well, I I mean I can I can describe how I met you. Well I mean you met me at the same time, obviously, but like I just remember we I remember I went for I went out for, and got lunch with um, a mutual acquaintance of ours who works in LA, and I remember him being like, because I, I we, this was in this was in um, Toronto at Toronto Film Festival, and I I went for lunch with him and he was he wasn't doing anything that evening and all of the people that I knew had already left to go home and he was like oh I know someone from London I'll put you in touch with her and I was like oh yeah like because like just because she's from London means that we're all gonna get on or we know each other or whatever like and I was like all right okay fine put me in touch with you and then we arranged to meet outside your hotel that evening and go to an event together and I remember pulling up in the taxi and saw you outside and you were wearing like your Annie Bing like studded boots and you looked like super cool like outside the hotel and I walked up to you and you were just like Emily and I was like Fiona and we like hugged and then basically just like it was like we'd, we'd known each other for about 10 years yeah it was mad wasn't it I mean you yeah. think back to that time in a strange city across the pond not knowing anyone else and then off we went for our evening soiree for the I think it was the <laughs> British film 
permissions kind of international hosting event wasn't it yeah yeah and then I invited myself to a dinner that you had actually been invited to and we thought it would be fine because we thought there would be like 20 people there and it turned out that there was just the four of us me you and two other people and I was like oh my god I've completely invited myself along to this but it actually turned out to be a really fun night didn't it and we had dinner and they were and everyone was like so how long have you known each other and we were like two three hours (laughs) I know it does feel like a lifetime (laughs) <laughs> in a good way yeah exactly way. yeah gosh. yeah that was good time and then yeah that was two years ago when we could still go out and do things and and hug each other and yeah hug each other and travel and yeah go to international parties. travel my gosh going to a cinema to see to see a film wow gosh. that was a yeah that was a trip full of all the things that we are no longer allowed to do <laughs> Uh, they're coming back soon though we we'd be positive we could at least go to a cinema at some point uh, i'm desperate to see some some other big blockbusters that are coming up can't yeah. wait can't well wait. you work on you work you're in, involved in working on them so you know all the things that are coming up so it must be really annoying to work on these massive movie scores and then to think oh well, it's only going to be re- released on tv it's not even going to be released into a it is quite strange i think i think it makes you just appreciate what theatrical releases give you in terms of the scale in terms of the sound quality uh, and that real impact that you know Hollywood want you generally to get from these big films Mm. um I do miss that I do miss that side of cinema going but I also quite like sitting at home relaxed having a glass of wine and and actually being able to pick and choose a bit more what you watch and and actually dipping in and out of things and probably watching film more films and more series than I ever would that kind of you know you're diversifying your interests slightly in your repertoire of all of that yeah definitely I don't think I've ever watched so much tv as I have in the last year I feel like I've finished Netflix basically I've just watched everything now it's mad. You think about all these online platforms and all the streaming services, and we have such such choice, really. And I, I think back to, you know, when I was growing up, there was Gardener's World and Country File, <laughs> EastEnders and Home and Away, and you forget just the choice and the variety mm-hmm. and actually how incredible TV dramas are now and gosh Mm. documentaries you know the Mm. world is yeah coming at us at all angles and Mm. we're very we're very I think we're very lucky to have Mm. such access to all of them well anyway I better introduce you officially (laughs) 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 just just started chatting um Fiona Gillett you are the studio manager at uh the world famous Abbey Road Studios so could you tell us a little bit more about how you got there? What, how, what jobs have you had and what's led to you having this position? Oh, my gosh. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll start back to, I think I was about five and I just loved music. And that was really the early beginnings for me where I would have, a, I think it was a five-star poster, Brother Beyond, and then your big icons like Madonna plastered on my wall and that to me was I want to work in music I had no idea what that meant I probably thought I was going to be a pop star and obviously as the years went on and my tastes 
diversified and you know I went through my house and dance stage through to my heavy metal rock stage and then boy bands and everything else in between um and I decided um when I was at school that I wanted to do something in music um and so as university approached there weren't really that many courses that were set up for working in the music industry unless you wanted to be in performance or in production so I took a bit more of a general stab and went to university in Brighton and did a media course and then from that I just sort of loved music more and more and got involved in the scene down in Brighton um, and then I decided after university to move to London and, you know, realised quickly the, the streets weren't paved with gold and actually it was <laughs> quite hard to find a job in the music industry. So I pestered and pestered um, some of the recruitment agencies that handled a lot of the jobs for all the big record labels. And after a couple of months of daily pestering, and I knew a lot of the recruitment consultants by name, um, I finally got my foot in the door and I started working for an artist manager um, who had quite a couple of big names on the book. So I worked for them and then soon that led into working for the majority of the big record labels. And at that point, I was very much into press and promotions um, and did quite a lot of work with the international teams and working with, oh gosh, such a range of different artists. And... Um, amazing executives and other interns and you know all sorts of different people along the way and then I ended up at Virgin Records um, and and heard about a job at Abbey Road came for the job interview sat in the garden um, sat on a bench um, interviewed for the job and then was fortunate enough to get it um, and that was basically an admin assistant um, in the mastering department. And I can tell you, I didn't know a huge amount of studio about studios back in the day and didn't really know very much about Abbey Road except for the Beatles. Um, and my world kind of opened up and 20 years later, I'm still here. <laughs> How was what? Uh... What sort of journey has, has your job taken since you've been there? You started as a, an, a, an assistant and now obviously you're in quite a crucial strategic role for the business. What what happened in between those two positions? Oh I think I've always been quite ambitious and driven and, and, and interested. So I kind of used my role to um, get to know as much as I could about the business and be as helpful as I possibly could. Um, and I was always keen to expand my skill set. So I would try and get involved with everything. And I would dip in and out of doing bits of PR based on my previous experience. I'd get involved with um, filming that we would do at the studios, whether it was a pop video or a live event. I'd get involved with the events team. And, and really, you know, I think one of the things I've learned is that, you know, it's really good to know a bit about the bigger picture and the full picture so knowing everybody from you know your security guard and receptionist through to the people that work in the restaurant you know the runners up to the senior engineers and all the various executives and people that we have in our business and 
making yourself really quite invaluable. Um, so yeah, I've done I've done quite a lot of different jobs at Abbey Road over the years, um, which I think has really allowed me to understand the business as much as I can. Obviously, it's constantly evolving and changing. Um, and, you know, we want to change with the times, you know, we're living in a very different world to, to when I first started back 20 years ago. So we have to move with the times and also to be at the forefront of not only sort of technological advances and digital advances, but in terms of humanity and who we are as people, how we represent ourselves, um, how we communicate that to the world, you know. I remember when I first started at Abbey Road, you know, we had a very simple booking system and we, you know, a lot of our clients still use faxes to send information, you know, and I, it's crazy to think of those times. Yeah, fax. I think the generation starting now won't, don't, don't even know what a fax machine is. Oh, my goodness. I'm quite delighted that it's a thing of the past. <laughs> so funny. Um, and, and actually, I just wanted to say, when Fiona says that she knows everybody at Abbey Road, she's not lying. Whenever I go and see you, you will literally we'll sit in the cafe and you will literally know every single person that walks through the door by their first name. It's crazy. I think, you do literally know everybody. Oh, yeah. It's, I mean, I'm a very personable person and that's, you know, a big part of the job that I love is is having that rapport with people and, and having those relationships and and making it Abbey Road feel very vibrant and exciting and it's the human element and I think that's what you know working throughout COVID has brought to me the most is it's such a challenge not having that human interaction and that personal connection um, mm. like I was saying earlier you just kind of want to reach through the the screen and give someone a hug and you can't and it's um it's strange but hopefully it's coming back um yeah well, you guys have actually managed to stay relatively open other than the first lockdown. You've actually been kind of working at a lower capacity since, what, last summer, really? Yeah, we, we reopened in June, um, which so we spent the first lockdown working with the industry, working with the government, the culture um, department and all the sort of different industry bodies right, ranging from your record label artist side of things to the musicians union through to um, all the film industry bodies as well um, to set the standards essentially for for working in COVID and how we would navigate returning to work. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah we've been really fortunate to be open since June and, and accommodating projects large to small um, but just with new guidelines and measures. So, yeah, it's great. what kind of thing are you having to? What kind of thing are you having to do to to be in in um, in line with the guidelines? So we have um, social distancing in place throughout. We have um, a new visitor management system, which basically is um, us signing all visitors into the building and and having them do a health declaration before. They arrive. Um, we've got measures in in the actual studios in terms of deep cleaning, cleaning all the equipment, uh, lower capacities to allow for social distancing, um, and a safer work environment. And for us, really, you know, it's great to be able to continue creating music and making music and having you know these studios 
sing as it were um but also keeping everyone safe whilst doing so and giving people a comfortable environment to be in because it can be quite overwhelming coming out into the world um with the pandemic and, and we want people to feel safe and secure so we're doing our utmost to make not only our staff feel like that but for clients the guests the musicians um and to keep the industry thriving really definitely I was going to say that it's been amazing that you've been able to stay open as much as you have because you know it was a real concern in the first lockdown for session musicians and the fact that their income had totally stopped because recording studios had, had, had closed had to close so the fact that you've been able to stay open has obviously given a lifeline to all those musicians that were really worried about not being able to work and and in and other industries as well you know it's it's amazing when you really think about how much how much of the industry or how many industries revolve around you know a, a big studio like abbey road you know the films need their soundtracks recorded and musicians need to play and, and all that kind of stuff it all kind of it all feeds into the bigger industry so it's really great that there's been a way to work around all of that and stay open and um i know it's been difficult for you it's been a challenge <laughs> still is ongoing but I think the nice thing as well you know during the first lockdown it allowed us to really connect with with artists with the at-home music maker and people like that and give them tips and advice of how they can use their their home environments you know or their home studio setup what they can do to really enhance that and make the most of it um you know, we were working with different artists and different people trying to set up different remote connections so we could record remotely um, and just really sharing some of the things that we would advise in, in those scenarios. And then obviously, as you say, you know, opening up and having people back in the studio was just fantastic. And the musicians, especially on the orchestral side, have just been so grateful to you know, for them, it's their creative outlet and for them to play all together, albeit slightly different with distancing things. But, you know, it's allowed them to continue to do what they love, um, as well as obviously have a great, you know, um, outcome when a film's released and you can hear the score. So, yeah, I mean, it's been incredible. I can't lie. It's been ridiculously busy, but in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> that's good I think a lot of people wish that they were they were busier so that's yeah it's really good um so I, you just touched on there the, the sort of technical technical technological mm. is that the right word aspects of the things that you do and I think Abbey Road is definitely at the forefront of a lot of the you know you've got the best producers the best engineers a lot of the best technology in the space that you're in um and I know that you're doing a lot because uh, a lot for women who <clears throat> excuse me, uh, a lot for uh, young women who are trying to get into that area. I, I, I mean, I've got to throw some statistics here, that, um, you know, statistics that make it fun. So um, this is the, the Annenberg Inclusion Initiative, which, um, which found that only 2.1% of music producers are female. That's, and that's, that's mental. That is really crazy. Um, and four out of 871 producers are women of colour um 43 percent of female producers or songwriters said that their skills they felt their skills were discounted and only five percent of audio engineers are female that's from the sound girls um study so the the figures are so mm. low for women and i think that that's like i think that's um obviously 
not there's just not enough women who are getting into that that area of the industry but i think a lot part of the problem is also that women who are in that part of the industry are not um having their skills acknowledged Uh, i know that um that are quite a few of the women who were uh, surveyed in a, in a different survey um, said that they and a lot of artists as well um, are, are denied a producer credit on their on their albums um, even though they were involved in the production process so I think that there are different reasons why those figures are so terrible um, but I do know that Abbey Road have got a few initiatives for um, for young people particularly women and gender minorities um, to try and encourage them into those sort of more technical production and engineering roles do you want to um, um, yeah, we do. I, I think that's, you know, as the world uh, sort of recognises the disparity between, um, you know, what historically has happened and traditionally happened to where we want to be now. We, a couple of years ago, we established a, just a group called um, Women in um, Audio and Production. Really just, you know, it started off as a sort of a support network um as a social gathering just really exploring what we could do as a business to support um the minorities in that area and what we needed to be doing differently and what they needed and just as well for some of the more london-based studios to get together um as well in these situations and see how we can change things you know looking towards a brighter future and being a more inclusive um business so we have that which has been going from strength to strength and and as you say talking to producers engineers runners songwriters artists you know really crossing the board um and just sort of opening up the discussion and making people feel empowered to carry on that discussion um and, you know, we have some plans this year. We've got a lot going on. It's our 90th anniversary. And uh, amongst that, we have all of these plans. And COVID has obviously halted some of our um, initiatives that we had in place and our programme and sort of strategy for, for all of this. So it's very much still in the initial stages, but we're hoping that um, it will get a new sort of breath of fresh air and we'll be able to take it from strength to strength Um, We also have an initiative called Abbey Road Equalise, which um, it's it's kind of a banner, really, that we're using to support um, diversity and the underrepresented communities that we have in the music world. Um, We're really kicking it off and launching it um, through International um, Women's Day this year. And so we've got lots of different talks, we've got mentoring, we've got workshops, um, and it's covering all sorts of different platforms within that, um, within the music industry. So it's not just directed at producers, engineers, artists, you know, it's, it's also reaching out to those who want to work in music, but maybe perhaps on the more business side of things. Um, and really hoping that we can, I don't know, just share our experiences and, and and start to change things for the better and making it a more equal um, playing field and landscape for everybody. I mean, as you say, you know, the numbers talk and we've got quite a way to go. Um, But I'm positive it's a good start and we'll we'll make some good inroads and and 
I'm sure that the various different paths will start to expand and and we'll see a web of new opportunities hopefully for people definitely I think <clears throat> sorry I think um, with this sort of area, it's 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 strange, isn't it, that it's it's difficult to really pinpoint exactly why there are so few women in those technical positions. And I think a lot of it actually is just is grassroots and the opportunities at educational levels are not offered. I think historically women are always they always kind of shy away a little bit from those technical roles, um, which is a shame because I think that there are some amazing female producers out there. Um, and then it's sort of and then eventually, if you know, from that, it turns into a bit of a boys club and it kind of feels slightly exclusive. And I think what you're doing at the moment, I think the first thing, you know, with your with your network that you're building um, and your sort of support groups, that's that's such a good place to start because it encourages women who are already in those positions to to talk to each other and to network and to make stronger connections. And then you can eventually use that uh, platform to bring people up from the lower kind of the junior levels, um, more grassroots levels. I mean, levels. about a year, well, gosh, we're probably looking about two years ago, actually. We actually um, reached out to one of the local primary schools and um, did some sort of social community work. And, and some of our team went down and, and taught some of the pupils um, and really engaged them with music and not just on a playing level more with the modern day technologies we have a um, part of our business is abbey road red which is looking at how sort of music tech um and different kinds of music tech and what we're doing to support that and working with new incubators and and we took a lot of um what they were doing and tried to implement it in these classrooms and in the music lessons you know making really making it really fun and engaging and and showing you know the the diverse range of children that you're going to have in a, in a city london primary school what's available and and accessible to them you know and i think that is mm. ultimately where it's going to start for the future generations is at that that level of having music mm -hmm. accessible to a number of students I mean if if you have children and they're trying to learn an instrument it's incredibly expensive so how do we break down those barriers you know how do you you know how do you have you know the female generation and and all the other gender generations becoming more aware of STEM you know it, it's such I mean, you start sort of digging into it. It's a really deep layered problem that we have that mm -hmm. I think, mm -hmm. you know, you have to start somewhere, but how do we fix mm -hmm. it? How mm -hmm. do we make it seem like an exciting career path? And and there's mm -hmm. definitely, you know, the sort of encouraging women to be supportive of other women um, and all the other gender minorities that there are you know we need to make it more inclusive and more accessible mm, definitely that's interesting that you bring up the the sort of music lessons for children I think it's that we're definitely still struggling in a society where music at that level is definitely um, still considered for the you know the upper classes um, it's not it's definitely not by any means as accessible as it should be to 
uh, you know, lower people from lower socioeconomic backgrounds. And that's something definitely that I think the music industry should be helping with. Um, And also kind of opening up to what happens behind the scenes, because I think it's still, (laughs) you know... Uh, you know only I, I probably still don't even really know what happens in a recording studio like the actual like you know nitty-gritty of it and it's 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 something that for some reason we just don't really kind of like expose to school children and say that this is how the, the recording studio works how the recording process works these are the these are the people that work I there. mean if you think back to I don't know if you were the same when you were younger but I remember I had my two cassette ghetto blaster listening to the top 40 and it had a stop play and record button and there I was basically recording music editing music you know you would edit out the bits and then it was only when I went to university I realized when I was doing some radio production courses about splicing tape you know it's all the same principles and it's you know in learning about recording you know that's it in its very simplest of forms of course but you know it just just think it's engaging children in that way and and just and even you know not even children but just I think experience counts for everything um you know the 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 dynamic you know being yourself being being the human that you are I think plays a huge role in those recording environments those mixing environments because ultimately you are creating something so the dynamic with whoever is in that room is going to impact how what your result's going to be. Um, and if you have the right dynamic, you know, you can make incredible music. If you potentially have a dynamic which doesn't work, you might look at how you can change that up. Um, it's, yeah. yeah, relationships and the human side of it is a huge part. Mm. I mean, I get. I suppose in your role, you're quite instrumental in managing those dynamics in the studios between your the people mm. that work at Abbey Road and your engineers, and your producers, and your clients. How do you kind of manage those dynamics? I've learned a lot. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm really fortunate. I have an incredible team, and and that ranges through our intern who comes from the University of Surrey on a, a very specific music production course we traditionally take um, an intern for a year. So they come for a year as a runner all the way up to our senior engineers, both of which have been here for 20, 30 years. So um, they've got a wealth of experience and knowledge and you just learn, you learn who works best with who, what types of projects that they're suited for, where their skill set lends itself you know where they need to develop you know with things ultimately changing all the time it really keeps us on our, our toes you know we're abbey road has such a breadth of different clients and different types of projects that we do you know one day we'll have somebody who it's really their dream to come and record at abbey road and they'll be doing their recordings and they might be um, a non-professional musician and then you know we've got an a-list artist in another studio an emerging artist in another studio and then you've got a big hollywood film school with a you know pre-covid hundred piece orchestra in another studio and there's always something different going on so you have to 
you know, it's just about knowing your clients, knowing what they're trying to achieve and also knowing your team really well. And, you know, we don't always get it right, but the majority of the time we do. Um, and it's... Do you think do you think being a woman has helped with that like being able to manage dynamics and having empathy and personality clashes and things like that do you think being a woman gives you a different perspective on those things and helps I don't you know with I that think job? I'm very much that person um I'm very as I said before I'm a real people person I'm very quite intuitive um and I think it's knowing the relationships knowing knowing people really um, and it always takes time for for new starters that join the business to how how do they you know get to know each studio has its own personality you know each project each day has its own sort of intricacies and, and it's it's just sort of measuring it all up together and, and seeing what's going to be be the right fit um Mm-hmm. I don't know I think I'm quite I'm quite an emotional person <laughs> um I'm passionate and I think that helps mm-hmm. mm. I do too I think um sometimes I I'm I'm very emotional too and I take a lot of things at work very personally um which I, I which makes which annoys me sometimes so I wish I could kind yeah. of take these a bit more kind of yeah uh, on on the head rather than the heart but I think actually it, it I think it's actually overall it serves you well because I think people relate to you much more people respect you for it um, and it makes you just a much nicer person to work with I think when you're when you there's a bit of um, a bit of heart and soul into, into everything that you do and you you truly care oh my about gosh yeah I, I do I probably care too much the majority of the time and I'm yeah I'm quite in tune with uh, my feelings and with how I think you know my morals and ethics essentially as well um and also you know it's it's very much I'm probably too honest at times um too transparent at times but uh, you know I am who I am and and I love what I do and I all I ever want really is the best for for each session that we do at Abbey Road you know for me it is about about us creating and the building still being a working creative environment and that's all I've ever wanted you know it's it's bricks and mortar but it's all about the people that that are here it's about the people that come through the door it's about the people that come through the door every day it's it's about the new people that come through the door you know it's it's all about those connections me and I'm a big old mm, hippie at mm. heart and you know I'm <laughs> very much affected by <laughs> right now and um yeah it's just it's <laughs> exciting we work in a really amazing industry <laughs> and I feel really lucky we get to do what we get Definitely. to do you know it was good days and bad days like um, any job but yeah. um yeah uh, have you had to, and I'm sure the answer is yes, but actually the, no, the, the, the more me? accurate question, I suppose, would be, can you tell us about any massive diva moments that you've had oh, to Oh, gosh, we've had all sorts of <laughs> special moments. Shall we call them special moments? <laughs> I mean, everything through to, yeah. you know, you hear of your sort of stereotypical rider requests. We've had all of those with, 
I mean, especially now, I guess, dietary requirements, special requirements, it's more commonplace than it ever was. You know, I've had to have things shipped over from America for the next day because it's a certain brand that you could only buy in America and um, uh, through to going to, I once had to go and buy some material that reminded me of the smell of incense for a particular producer and artist, which is really quite subjective because the way I smell incense could be quite different to how you do. And what does that visually look like? Yeah. That's bizarre. And that is a bizarre I did actually request. get that told off for taking odd. pictures of material in, in certain sort of haberdasheries and department stores. I don't know what they thought I was doing, but I mean, that was a learning curve. Um, through to smoking in the studios. Um, through to bad behaviour, perhaps. Um, gosh, all sorts of different things. Um, the majority, I have to say, yeah. most people are really lovely and amazing. And the pe there, there are certain, I mean, gosh, certain very high-profile people I have met, whether it be a director, whether it be um, a big iconic artist, uh, through to an actor, um, they're just people and they're quite happy to be here and they're you know I, I've had so many conversations with people like that who have said this is me coming to work and I think when you put it into that context you realize that you know as, as special as Abbey Road is it is also them coming to do their day job uh, and they are just humans mm. and actually when you can connect on that level it's quite an equal playing field really um and there aren't that many divas out there. So I'm afraid there's mm. no real big spoilers Who's the... there. <laughs> <laughs> no, no dirt. You're going to dish specific dirt. Who, who's the nicest person? Who is someone that's really stood out to you as someone who was, oh was particularly God. nice? There's quite a list. I'll go with my one of my favourite artists is probably Liam Gallagher, who probably doesn't have the bravado and attitude that everybody thinks he does um yeah he, they were in gosh many moons ago they've been in and out of, throughout the years under under his own solo career when he was with um bdi when he was with oasis all of all of the different um guises that he's been in and it's just really normal. You know, we talk about family, we talk about marriage, we talk about what it means to live in Britain. Um, I don't know, talked about all sorts of things. And then you get invited to to go out to the pub with it. You know, it's, it's crazy. Um, I was, I think I was pleasantly surprised by the level of conversation uh, and just what a nice person they were. Um, some mm. of the bigger artists, um, really lovely. People like George Clooney, who's just a dream, very polite, very engaging. Um, you know, people like Paul McCartney, who remember the smallest details about you. Um, I was in LA and he happened to be in LA at the same time. And he invited me down to his sessions at a recording studio out there, Henson Studios. And I suddenly got really nervous. I mean, I've met him so many times over the years and he'd invited me down and it was like, it's very different when it's in your environment and in your home. 
but going to see him at another studio and listen to what he was doing there, I, be, I suddenly became a bit like a fangirl. And I was just, I think I appreciated <laughs> the sort of the iconic status that he, he holds. And I was, yeah, suddenly became a bit shy and a bit kind of reserved. I soon, you know, was fine once I'd been there about five minutes, but yeah, very strange. It's funny, isn't it? Like, because I think there must be a certain amount of respect that you um, that you garner from having the position that you do. I think when you, when a big star like Paul McCartney, well, I suppose Paul McCartney has connections mm. to Abbey Road anyway, but maybe someone like Liam Gallagher comes to Abbey Road, you know, he's on your turf and you're the representative of that institution that ha- that comes with a, ma- and a certain amount of gravitas. So I suppose they should be on their best behavior really it's not there's there can't be egos there because the ego of abbey road kind of surmounts anyone else's ego it's you know that it's it's an institution it's it's historic and and so many legends have walked through those corridors that it kind of I don't know how anyone could tear up and have a massive ego yeah, about being I, I there, hope people you know? feel that when they walk in the doors is that we I think that we are still living and breathing and we do our utmost to be current and contemporary and diversify and you know over the years we've expanded the business and we've kind of gone down different avenues and and for us it's it is all about making Abbey Road accessible to as many people in the industry as possible. And whether that is, like I said before, you know, you're, you're coming here because you just want to record or mix something or whether you've got a big film score or you, you want to do your album over a few weeks, whatever it is, it's, it's, I like to think about, you know, inviting people into our home and, and that it's, it is comfortable for them and they enjoy being there. So yeah, you know, there's not too many egos in this world, she says. <laughs> when artists and people are in their studios, it's very much they're in their creative space and, you know, the rest of the building goes on um, around it. Um, but we, we've got really good sort of communal spaces and we are, you know, you never, you know what it's like. You never know who you're going to bump into when you come to Abbey Road and yeah. the bar and restaurants are very much <laughs> our sort of our kitchen of the house um where where all the parties and and all the sort of the mingling happens so um before we wrap up what is your alternative universe career in a parallel oh my gosh well i am actually not many people know i took a sabbatical actually gosh how many years ago? 12 years ago, I think it is. And I went to India and I became a yoga teacher. So I actually do have an alternative career, um, which I used to try and teach alongside working in this current role. But um, yeah, not enough time in the, in the day to, for such things. So I don't know. I think probably probably being a yoga teacher or being a bit of a beach bum in India would be right up my street quite frankly hanging out with the cows on the beach and eating some curry sounds like a lovely lifestyle that sounds amazing I think it's so funny I I know so many people who I've got I've got a personal training uh, diploma and I know so many people who work in music who at one point had a bit of an identity crisis and went and trained in something completely different normally something quite vocational like like teaching or exercise or whatever and then it it does just draws you back in again I mean I can be anywhere (laughs) in the world I remember 
gosh, I'd just not long started at Abbey Road and I was on holiday in Thailand, hiking up in the mountains. And we stopped at this shack. And I mean a shack, corrugated iron, you know, your plastic Thailand chairs. And there on the wall was the Abbey Road album cover, Beatles Abbey Road album cover. And like literally you are transported back to your day job. <laughs> Everywhere you go, you can say to anybody, <laughs> where do you work, Abbey Road? And the majority of people will know exactly where you're talking about. It's incredible. It's a very special spe yeah. place. And gosh, yeah. I mean, to leave yeah. Abbey Road would be quite yes. dramatic, I think. But, you know, there's lots of other things out there. So never say never. But um, In the interest of supporting females in the industry, we want to offer you a pass the mic moment where you give your recommendations for things that you're really into. So that could be a female owned business or a podcast or a book or music that you're listening to. What are your top recs? Gosh, well podcast let's start there um i have some go-to's i must say which are love edith bowman's soundtracking which is essentially a mixture of filmmakers and composers talking about um making movies and the creative process and it really sort of delves deep into the behind the scenes on that i absolutely love that um big fan of uh jesse wears table manners with her mum oh i love that one <laughs> just really like it bit of yeah. foodie love music <laughs> combine the two together and have a mum on board brilliant brilliant yeah. love that i also love her album actually her latest uh she's amazing amazing yeah. and then a bit left field but um just listened to a really good podcast called i'm not a monster which is all about ISIS and an American family being trapped over um, in Syria. So, um, yeah, that's a bit political oh. and a bit bit of a challenge to listen to, but absolutely fascinating insight mm -hmm. into to that world. And that's quite a, an addictive, you just want to keep listening story. <laughs> Great. Um, so that's really good. Um, gosh, books, love books got a big pile <laughs> beside my bed which I don't really read um any of um I keep ordering through Amazon you know my daily Amazon ordering has to continue somehow um obviously there are other um providers available um <laughs> as you can't go to a shop Amazon is my friend uh, I've just got a book called The Life-Changing Power of Intuition which is all about how to use your intuition and harness it and understand it by a lady called Emma Lucy Knowles. And yeah, I'm quite a hippie. So it is all about using your intuition. And she has books about crystals. And it's just really fascinating insight into, into that. Uh, I love that. It's just, yeah. Without I'm really interested in all that stuff, actually. I think it's, and it's, um, I, I call it the woo. I'm into the woo a little bit. I think it really helps. I mean, we've had such a challenging year and it's been a really interesting, reflective time on how we all live as humans. And I think a lot of us are looking into, you know, what else is there about us or, you know, looking into mm. all these other sort of layers 
um, that we have. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to recommend that book, although I've only read the first chapter. It's got a really nice cover, and I'm really enjoying it. That's half. That's half the battle, isn't it? With a book, I I buy books just based on what they look. I like. am a marketer's like... dream. I literally <laughs> yeah. am like a magpie in a jewelry shop. Lovely. So, would your um would some advice that you that you would give to women kind of in the early stages of their careers in the music industry would would some of that advice be to use your intuition? Absolutely, I think you know be driven ask questions don't be shy um you know harness your power we're all Mm. we are all people at the end of the day and it's I would say definitely use your women's um just use your powers of who you are as a person Mm. and and really just go for it Mm. yeah and that's definitely something that you've done Fiona and you've definitely taught me as well (laughs) yeah and that's the thing it's supporting yeah. each other it's nurturing the next generation it's nurturing you know we're all constantly learning things change and evolve all the time and I think you know you're I think you have to be humble sometimes and realize you don't know everything either and you know even 20 years in this industry at Abbey Road it's it's you know there's things change all the time and I'm constantly mm-hmm. learning and you meet new people and you share experiences and you know you can learn you can always learn mm. and I think that 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 makes you such a, a valuable um kind of member of the workforce is that if to, to have the humility to know that you are constantly learning and to have that curiosity to always be learning new things and develop as a person as well absolutely and it's such a wide and vast industry that we work in and I think if you try and you know empower yourself with new knowledge new skills new qualities you know you're constantly evolving along with the industry so Mm. it's got to be a good thing in my mind definitely definitely well thank you so much Fiona for giving us your time you're very very welcome thank you so much for having me it's been an absolute pleasure always a pleasure to talk to you I'm just sad we couldn't do this in the flesh really but next time (laughs) I know I know next time definitely thanks a lot Fiona you're welcome bye Thank you so much for listening. This has been the She Said Show brought to you by me, Emily Richardson and She Said So London. You can follow us on Instagram at shesaidso.london and you can look into joining us at shesaid.so forward slash membership. Join us next time.